you ready to make the right moves and unlock your passion? Welcome to From the Inside Out with your host, Carla D. Walker. To be your best self in your personal life and your business life, all you need to do is look within yourself. Now, here is Carla D. Walker. Good morning, world. How are you this morning? I am feeling fantastic. Just absolutely great. Uh, Everything is um, uh, looking good here. Everyone seems to be safe. Um, And we are just thankful that uh, we made it through another day, made it through another storm. Uh, And um, our prayers are with those people who are still going through uh, the storm and who need uh, our prayers and our help uh, just to get past it and just to see that the day is going to be brighter, it's going to get better. Um, Need you to stay safe. Don't do anything stupid. Use your common sense and, uh, and listen to... Listen to what uh, uh, you're being told by those uh, authorities in your community and, uh, and stay out of harm, harm's way. So I do wish for all of you this morning that you have a great day, that you wake up feeling good about yourself, about your life, uh, that you got a hug from your kids or your spouse or significant other, uh, or a friend, uh, that this morning as you walked into work or as you're driving into work, you're smiling, that you're happy, you're feeling good, your spirits are lifted, uh, and that you're letting go of the anxiety that you may feel or may have felt, and that you're walking into happiness and greatness, and that you feel loved. And you know that you are loved and you love someone or someone loves you. So I want to start out today. Uh, So much has happened in our world today, I would say. Every time we look at their mass shootings and people are dying and, um, you know, tragedies are coming in all different forms, um, and we're seeing it repeated on a 24-hour cycle. And if you're like me, as you, I was watching television uh, this week because uh, the storms wouldn't allow us to uh, really go out, or, or you know, once we got you know settled or hunkered down for the storm, there wasn't a whole lot else you know that I wanted to do. Um, and I don't get to watch television that much anyway. So I was watching TV and so I was watching and kept looking at the different news channels and they kept playing the same thing over and over and over again. And while I do understand their desire or their want to make sure that we are up to date on, you know, the latest tragedy that's occurred and uh, as we're what as you're going through, if there's a big storm like we were having, I know they want to make sure that we kept abreast of what was going on. I found myself getting a little sad and depressed, and I had to turn it off or turn away from it or find something different that would make me feel better. 
And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, there are people who probably struggle feeling better for many different ways, for many different reasons. It all doesn't have to do with mental health. Sometimes you're just going through a rough, a rough patch. You know, you're going from grief to happy. So I thought about this. Now, now where do I start? I'm, I'm going to start with the loss. I'll tell you a little bit about something that I suffered. It was uh, uh, the death of my house, my husband. Um, and I didn't see it coming. I knew, I figured it was going to happen. My my husband was a young man and um, in his 30s and um, he, you know, was had a lot of self-confidence, a lot of um, um, uh, belief in himself and what he was capable of and almost to the point where I think at times he was he was reckless, particularly about his health. And so his doctor um, told him, you know, well, you know, hey, guy, you've got, you know, high blood pressure. He ignored him, gave him medication. He said, I don't have high blood pressure. What does the doctor know? You know, I know better than the doctor. So nothing you could tell him would make him do what he needed to do. And he was also a smoker. And he, while he was trying to quit, I don't believe that he was seriously trying to quit, but he did have respect for uh, myself and and our daughter to not smoke around us or in our house or anything like that. But anyway, we had a wonderful marriage um, in the beginning, and then it became abusive. And once we were divorced, it wasn't long after that that he died. So we didn't see it coming. Um, we had no warning. Although I think for me, the warning was when he threw the, when he threw his prescription for his high blood pressure medication out the car window after seeing the doctor because he believed he knew better than everybody else. He died young. And he died on my birthday. And when it happened, I felt angry. I thought, how dare you die on my birthday? Now I have to remember this every time I have a birthday. I felt sad as well because, you know, even though you divorce someone, you still care about them. Um, and he was young. And he had so much, I think, opportunity that for me, I thought, felt it was kind of wasted, you know. And at that time, all my energies were on goal, you know. Um, I couldn't tell him how I felt. I couldn't yell at him about what he was doing. So when they when they took him home, he, he happened to die in Mississippi. And when they took him home to Ohio, I remember 
driving six hours to go to the funeral. And I remember crying all the way, all the way there. You know, I remember calling a friend and, you know, just saying, hey, I'm here for a funeral. I just need to quickly change clothes. Can I drop by your house? And wasn't able to, to get there to do that. So I had to change in the restroom of a gas station. It wasn't the best gas station. It wasn't probably as clean as they were today, but I had to do it. I had to get the, get my clothes changed. And there was nobody at his, his parents' home. Of course, they were all at the funeral home, um, or at the church, rather, waiting to bury him. And when I got to the church, I sat at the back of the church. I couldn't, I, I didn't want to see him in his casket. So I didn't join the procession. I guess this is something that um, happens a lot because you people go around and they want you to view the body, so they allow people to go um, and do that. I did not want that memory stuck in my head of him in the casket. And so I didn't go. And as they loaded him, his body into the the car to go to the burial site, I remember seeing his mother and his father and his best friend. They were in the, already in the car and they didn't know I was there. I didn't let anybody know because since we were divorced, I didn't want to disturb the natural flow. <laughs> but I remember that his best friend saw me and said, come with us to the burial site. Now, I didn't want that memory either. So I declined to go and he said, stay here, wait for me, I'll be back. As soon as, as soon as we'll do this, it's only gonna take maybe 10, 15 minutes because apparently they weren't that far from where he was going to be buried. And I nodded, you know, kind of in agreement. Yeah, sure, I'll stay, okay. And I remember seeing as they drove off, the one thing that I remember for sure was, thinking rather was, I can't stay here. I really didn't want to talk to anybody. So I got back in my car and drove six hours home, crying all the way back. And for me, that was how I dealt with or relieved the stress of the grief that I was feeling at that time. And when I think about grief or why we grieve, it says that we grieve because we empathize with the loss that someone's having or our own lives are changed forever. So I guess for me, it was a combination of still dealing with the ending of our marriage and now the ending of a life. So when you think about 
how you define grief. The Oxford Dictionary defines it as deep sorrow, especially usually someone's death. And it is a natural process. It's an emotional reaction to pain. And what I've learned is that there are several types of grief. And, and just some words or sentiments that you think of grief is, is sorrow. I was feeling that misery, sadness. I was feeling anguish, pain, distress, agony, despair, angst. If you've ever felt grief, maybe you understand what I'm talking about. Maybe you've felt that. And it doesn't have to be the death of someone. It could be the ending of something or even betrayal kind of can cause sort of an ending or grief. But we'll talk more about the types of grief when we come back from break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Please join Dr. Sarah, a.k.a. Dr. Red, on an amazing journey of love, soul, abundance, compassion, and authenticity. Dr. Red is a well-renowned healer, hypnotherapist, author, and speaker who has overcome personal challenges to emerge stronger than ever before to reach out to you and heal you emotionally, mentally, and spiritually for the most informative and enriching experience filled with unbridled laughter and insights on life, health, culture, and society. Tune in to Dr. Red Set. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. tuned into from the inside out to reach carla walker or her guest today call us at 1-888-346-9141 that's 1-888-346-9141 you may also send an email to carla walker from the inside out at gmail.com now back to the show hey okay so types of grief what are we talking about here what are the types of grief well, one is loss. We've already talked a little bit about that. and um, That's a natural, when you lose someone, grief is a natural part of natural process uh, that we will go through. Um, any loss can cause grief. There's acute grief. And this is something I didn't know. I didn't know there was acute grief. And what they say is that that, grief 
you typically feel immediately after a loss or death of a loved one. And I had wouldn't have thought that they've, I guess they put categories on everything, right? Um, and they said it either passes or it becomes complicated. And then it becomes complicated grief, which they define as a syndrome that happens when your ability to move through the grieving process is prolonged by maladaptive behaviors, obsessive thoughts, and uncontrollable feelings. Now, I don't know if any of you have gone through complicated grief. I would imagine you have, and I imagine you know who thought about what complicated grief is, or who even thought about categorizing, but I think it's important for us to understand this term grief and what it means you know because when you're grieving you know it impacts us in different ways you know maybe you know maybe there's a tightness in your throat you know there could be muscle weakness uh, fatigue you could be tired um, sometimes you're frequently getting sick or uh, there's you know bodily pains or distress or you may go through some excessive crying. There's even maybe hair loss. Some people even suffer hair loss, which was surprising to me when I think about that. You know, and as the grief becomes more complicated, if it doesn't pass, if you don't aren't able to work through the grief stages and it becomes more complicated then you may experience, you know, more intense sorrow and pain that doesn't seem to go away. Or you can't accept the depth of your loved one, or you can't accept the ending of whatever that thing is. You know, you, you feel numb or detached, or you can experience you know, feelings that you can't trust other people or, you know, you can't enjoy life anymore or even think of of happy moments, you know, with your loved one. You know, for some people, they they can't think of doing this thing that they've lost anymore because they are so stuck in the grief that that they're in. So, one of the things that, uh, there's a site called betterhelp.com. One of the things that was on their site that I thought, gosh, that is so true. It's a quote that says, learning the grief definition is the first step to finding peace. And really, you know, what they mean by that, and I think you may have heard this in other stages, other ways, but it's naming the thing that's causing you pain or naming the thing that's preventing you from being yourself, getting back to yourself. 
you know. I didn't find peace for a long time. I was angry. <laughs> um, I was so angry that he died on my birthday. That was really um, something that I had to work through because I thought this is a day that I celebrate me. <laughs> and how dare you do that? Well, of course, he didn't have any control over when he died. But that was something that I had to uh, really work through because it really pissed me off, quite frankly. <laughs> but there are stages to the grieving process. So think about denial. You probably know this. Eleanor Kubler-Ross came up with these five stages of grief. First one being denial, and you're not accepting the loss um, you experienced. Uh, and sometimes we don't accept it for long periods of time. And then anger. Um, you feel extreme anger. You know, maybe directed at at someone, or maybe you may you may could misdirect it as, at something or someone else. You feel caused or contributed to uh, the death or the ending. Um, there's bargaining. You begin to try and make a deal. You know, if you only do this, and then I promise I'm going to do that. Then there's depression could set in. There's that overwhelming feeling of sadness, so deeply entrenched. You feel it all over, all through your body and your mind. And the, the last phase is acceptance where you finally accept and realize that the death or the loss has occurred. You're beginning to let go of your anger. There's no more bargaining. You're beginning to lift yourself out, lift out of the depression or the sadness that you're feeling. And you begin to move forward and move on with your life. Now, <clears throat> there's also, well, let me say this first. As you go through these stages, you may need help and support either from friends or family um, or therapist or grief counselor. You know, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, there is no stigma anymore with seeking help, with having somebody help you work through these stages of grief. Because they, they may not come in the order that I identified for you. You know, they may come in, in any particular order, but it usually ends with the acceptance and the ability to move forward. And sometimes we need help. For someone to help us move past that. And I had the help of my good friends. I had friends who who were therapists. Um, in this particular instance, I didn't see a therapist. Probably should have, 
probably still should go see a therapist. I got some things to work on. I got issues. Um, But as you go through the grieving process, there's nothing wrong with reaching out to someone. Like I said, a friend, family member, if you don't want to do that, you know, reach out to grief counselors. These are people who are specifically trained to help you work through this process or go see a therapist. You know, if you if you're working, your employee assistance programs also have people, therapists, um, maybe even grief counseling. But check it out. See what it is that they have. This normally is free or it's a very nominal fee uh, to help you work through that process as, as you're going through it. But I also found out there that um, uh, Dr. J.W. Warden came up with something called the Tasks of Grief, which I hadn't really heard of, um, but I thought it was very, they're very interesting. So accepting the uh, the reality of loss, okay, and, and I like that it, what he added in there, accepting the reality of loss, you know. Um, working through the pain, you know, which is probably the hardest part of the process, you know, letting yourself feel those emotions, allowing yourself to feel the loss, feel the pain, uh, feel the hurt, um, and and also releasing uh, those emotions and letting that positivity back into your life. And I think that's what makes it hard because you want to feel pain. And it sounds weird when you say it, but you want to feel bad. And you almost feel as if you feel good that maybe you're betraying the memory of that person or maybe you're betraying uh, that person's relationship that you have with them or that honesty. But you're not. Uh, but you feel that way. I totally get that. And this is when you hear. This is where you wanna. You may want to, you know, get support um, from family, friends, a grief counselor, a therapist to help you work through that, you know, that particular pain. And then the third thing um, that of the task is the adjusting to life without the deceased, uh, and and and. This it says deceased, and you say that you think of a, of of a family member or a friend, but adjusting to your new life and circumstances, you know, without that person or without that thing, you know, gathering the courage, to the knowledge and the resources to make a new beginning, you know, and then the last task is maintaining connections uh, while moving on. So. By that, he was talking about, you know, carrying memories, small reminders of the time um, that you shared with that individual. There's nothing wrong with doing any of that. Uh, But those are the tasks of grief. And and we may need help in terms of folks doing, helping us through that. You know, I'm going to quote Winnie the Pooh here who says, how lucky I am to have something that makes that makes saying goodbye so hard. Another quote, Matthew 5, 4, 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So there are, there are some resources uh, out there. You know, resilience is important. They kept coming up. Like I said, grief counselors or therapists, you know, have a good cry. You know, seek a support from your friends or your family. Take care of yourself. This is not the time to quit exercising or eating right. You know, draw comfort from your faith or your spirituality. You know, return to your hobbies. You know, start doing things that make you feel good. Uh, in the United States, you can call the Crisis Call Center. Um, that number is 775-784-8090. Um, you can call the National Alliance for Grieving Children. Um, you can call the Suicide Helpline if you feel, you know, in that much despair. What we're saying is, if you're going through grief, get support. Get help. Let somebody help you uh, go through that. Uh, you don't have to do it alone. I'll see you on the other when we come back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You are tuned into From the Inside Out. To reach Carla Walker or her guest today, call us at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Carla Walker from the inside out at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Hey, we're going from grief to happy. You know, as, as I was going through that, one of the things that I, I found myself doing was putting everything I had into my work, my daughter, my hobbies. Uh, I kept trying to find things so I didn't have to think about it or um, try to find things to do because I wanted to pull myself out of this pain, out of this misery that I was going through. So I just poured myself or changed directions so that in my mind, I wouldn't think about it. But of course, it was always in the back of my mind. I, I was so miserable. I can remember a time I was so miserable at work that I thought I was just going to burst. I don't know if any of you have ever felt that before, but it's like everything you do, you couldn't smile. You know, the, nothing made you happy. You know, it, it was just painful just being there. And I remember talking with a colleague and who, you know, asked, how are you doing or, you know, are you okay? And I said, you know, I just, I just need to hit something, you know. Now, I say that because, you know, so you want to hit something, you want to hit somebody? Well, maybe, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm rational enough to know that that's not the way to go, but, um when I say hit something, I had you know I had mentioned to you uh, a while back. One of the things that I would, was into or that I did was able to get into was karate. So I have my uh, did receive a first degree black belt in karate. So punching a bag was one of my ways of getting out frustration or kicking a bag um, or anger. But it was just working that out, working it out. You know, I, I remember saying I've got to let go of this of the anger that I'm feeling and the sadness that I'm feeling. I got to get back to me. I got to get back to me, who I am. Because as I was looking in terms of what I was doing, you know, I didn't feel like myself. You know, I'm pretty happy, go lucky. You know, love life, love fun. You know, laugh. You know those belly laughs, you know, those really gut laughs, you know, that people have, or, you know, you laugh so hard, you pee in your pants. I, I do all of that. I mean, that was me having fun, you know, working out. I found it all. And I was at a point where I didn't have that. I didn't feel that. I didn't, I just, I just couldn't, couldn't find that happiness. I couldn't find that joy. 
And I said, get back to me a lot. <laughs> when people say, how are you doing? So I'm good. I just got to get back to me. <laughs> I know they don't know. <laughs> people don't know what to think what I was talking about. I'm sure they didn't know what the heck I was talking about at all. So most of them really didn't know me. You know, most of the people I was talking to were people at work. I wasn't really talking to a family. Well, part of that's because my, our family is not what you would call close-knit or we don't have those kind of conversations. I'm sure there's no one other family out there that, that goes to that. Or they don't do that. Um, but most of them really didn't know me. They knew the professional me. They knew the helpful me. They knew that I can go talk to Carla about anything me. Uh, and she's going to be supportive. They knew that me, but not the me outside of work. And I had become very skilled at uh, turning around their questions when they would ask, how are you doing? Or, are you okay? I'd simply say, I'm fine. How are you? Tell me about what you're doing. How did this da 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 you know? Tell me about da 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 I was very good, got very skilled at changing the subject or deflecting. And it's kind of easy to do because people are always eager to talk about themselves. So it was easy to deflect away from me and to get you to talk about you. And I was always there to listen. And it was a comfort to me if I could help somebody else. But I had difficulty allowing someone else to help me. I don't know if I didn't feel as though I was worthy or I was good enough to be helped. But I felt very deeply that you know, this was part of my role. I should help other people through their grief. I should help other people feel better. I should help other people be their best, do their best. And I was there for that. And since their responses fit into the scenario and belief that they really didn't want to know because they really didn't push the issue. They would, you know, I figured they were just being polite when people ask, how are you doing? And I still have some of that feeling today. The people don't really necessarily really want to know how you are because maybe they don't seem to take the time because maybe they feel they have their own stuff. And it's not that they don't care or don't like you, but they've got their own stuff to deal with. And they've got other things on their mind. So it was easy, again, to deflect. Now, happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. You could choose to be happy. You could choose to be miserable. But happiness is a choice. You decide. You make that decision whether or not you're going to be happy and that you're not going to allow grief or depression or anger or sadness to take your joy. Once you do that, once you make that decision to be happy and have happiness in your life or to have joy in your life, that's when the work really begins. Now, when, when we, Oxford Dictionary defines happiness as the state of happy. 
which I hate when they do that. It's the same derivative of the word to tell you what, they were, what the word is. But basically it's contentment, pleasure, satisfaction, cheerfulness, cheeriness, merriment, gaiety, joy, joyfulness, glee, delight, high spirits, well-being, enjoyment, you know, exuberance, exhilaration, elation, ecstasy, heaven, paradise. That's all of what happy is. It's that feeling that comes on you when you know life is good and you can't help but smile. It's that feeling you get when you find yourself standing in an elevator and you're smiling and everybody, you think everybody's looking at you, wondering why you're smiling. Or you're in a meeting and you're the only one who's happy or doesn't, who feels good when they leave the room. You know, so I, so one of the things that I did, I was brainstorming this, this idea of happiness and I was writing down uh, all these things as I was brainstorming. And I thought, you know, I need to get another person's perspective. What is happiness? What does that mean? When you hear the word happy, what does that mean? And so I called a couple of people. And this one person that I called, of course, is my my very best sister friend. And I said to her, you know, I want you to brainstorm, you know, happy with me. So okay. So I said, okay, so when you hear the word happy, what comes to mind? And so she said, celebration, joy, temporary. And then she stopped. So yeah, that's it. Now, <laughs> I'm laughing as I'm listening because I'm thinking only three things come to mind for you? You know, and I had always thought, wow, you know, happiness is a lot, a big thing. You know, I, I wondered, how could she only come up with three things? And what she said to me made me think about this word even deeper. She said, happiness is temporary. It's something that, you know, happens, you know, in an instant and then it's gone. She said, but joy, if you had asked me joy, joy is more long term. I thought, I thought to myself, that's interesting. I had not heard it identified in that particular context. And of course, she set my mind whirling and going, and so I had to, I had to check it out. I had to figure out and look and say, is she right about that? Is there a difference between joy and happiness? If happiness is a state of well-being and contentment, a pleasurable or satisfying experience, then is that not joy? I cannot always kind of thought of them sort of interchangeably. But I found that they are represented very differently. So happiness is a destination, as one, one author said, and joy is an attitude. But apparently, they also go hand in hand. But psychology today, in 2012, 
said, happiness is external. Is connected to situations, events, people, places, things, and thoughts. It is connected to your hopes for a future with someone. It's a future-oriented, a, and it puts all its eggs in someone else's baskets. In other words, happiness requires something else in order to make it so. Whereas joy, joy can come from deeply held spiritual beliefs. It can come when you make peace with who you are, where you are, why you are, and who you are or are not with. When you need nothing more than your truth and love of a good God to bring peace, then you have settled into the abiding joy that cannot be rocked by anything. So joy is realizing or being or living authentically yourself. Happiness may be connected to that, but the joy is deeper. It is understanding who I am and being okay with it is understanding where I am in my life and being okay with it. And where I am could be many things. It could be a location, could be stature, could be financially, you know. It's it's being okay with who who I'm not. It's being okay with um, where I am in my life. What am I doing? Joy is being okay with you and loving you and liking you and being content and loving the life that you that you have made for yourself. So with, with those kinds of, of distinctions, it kind of made sense to me. And so I went on to Facebook. So I found a lot of people telling me, you know, ways to be happy or ways to find happy. But, you know, happiness is an individual thing. Your joy is going to be your joy. Your joy may not be my joy. It probably is not. You know. So they're all individual. So it's things that you need to continue to realize what that is, what things that make you happy. For example, in Success Magazine, um, there was a... They, had an article that said 11 simple ways to find joy in your everyday life. Uh, one was stop waiting to be happy, which made total sense. Why are you waiting to be happy? Be happy. Choose to be happy now. You know, Add happiness to your life right now. Make self-care part of your routine. Get in a joyful state of mind. Stop worrying, which is easier said than done, I know. But it's not impossible to do. Appreciate the small things in life. Now, sometimes we look for or we think about or talk about the larger things. 
And we think that those are the ones that are important. But when you really get down to it, those things that make you smile in the middle of the night or those things that make you smile when you're sitting in a room and everybody wants to know what it is you're smiling about are the little things in life. They're the little things in life that make you happy, that make you feel good. It's a, a little note from your husband or your or your child or or thinking about a picture of of that loved one or someone that makes you happy. Where's your dog that just comes up and licks your face because he or she loves you? Laugh more. You know, laughter turns on endorphins. You know, there's a chemical reaction in your brain that occurs when you laugh that makes you that makes you happy. Said so love more. And I'll let you interpret that however you want to interpret that. But love more. Uh, love people, love things, love life. Be loved. You know, find bliss in a bucket list, it says. <laughs> I never thought about bucket lists. You know, there's a whole movie on bucket lists, you know, identifying those things that you want to do before you kick the bucket, as they say. You know, if that works for you, put a bucket list together and then start taking action or steps toward doing those things that are on your bucket list. You know, uh, plan your happiness. You know, identify when what your happiness is and then take action toward making it happen as well. And then there's a really neat, um, uh, uh, I guess it's a um, magazine uh, or a special edition, I would say, that, that uh, Time Life came up with. It's called The Science of Happiness, New Discoveries for a More Joyful Life. And I got to tell you, there's some really neat things in in this particular edition. Um, but again, it's a special edition of uh, Time Life magazine. And one of the things that I found in here um, was... Uh, a, a discussion about or uh, about what determines happiness, and according to Time Life, fifty percent comes from genetics. So you're getting it from your parents, you're getting it from your grandparents. You know, were they happy people? Were they a happy household? I think about this when I think about. I think it's Finland, where um, they seem to be. Uh, uh, a little more depressed than uh, other places in the world, or they seem to be a little more, seem sadder. Uh, and maybe that's a genetic cultural thing. That culture may have something to do with it. Well, 40% uh, that deter- of things that determine uh, happiness are behaviors. 40% are behaviors. And so by that, we mean, you know, much of our ability to be happy is governed by our own choices. You know, what we choose to do or to take action on makes us happy, right? And and then 10%, they say, 10% of what determines happiness is purely circumstances. The differences in external factors such as income and beauty have the smallest influence. Now, I can hear some folks out there saying, yeah, but if I had a whole lot of money, I'd be happy. Well, would you really? Think about that. You think about those people who win the lottery, 
who end up being miserable. And I know you I can hear you say, oh, no, but that wouldn't be me. I would be so happy. Well, maybe you would for a minute until when you lost all the money, would you still be happy? I mean, I know of people who have given up, you know, jobs, that high-paying jobs for something that paid less because they weren't happy in the job that they were in. And it had nothing to do with the money. It had to do with the things that were making them feel good. So genetics, behavior, circumstances are the least thing that lead us to happiness. And there's a, there is a link uh, that we talk about between happiness and health, you know. And I didn't think about it. <clears throat> but if you're not happy, there's probably more stress on your body. There's more stress on your organs. Um, and so you may not feel as good as you do when you're not. In fact, uh, there's a 2005 study uh, that found that the happiest people had an average heart rate of about six beats per minute. And then in 2010, a study showed that over 10 years, for every one point increase in positive emotions, a person's risk of coronary disease drops 22%. I'm going to be real happy. <laughs> I want to make sure my coronary disease drops immediately. It also talks about immunity and chronic pain. Uh, and what psychologists found that women suffering from osteoarthritis and fibromyalgia had more positive emotions. They felt lower levels of pain in the following weeks and vice versa. Um, but also, so healthy habits for happiness uh, they do give us some of that. It tells us to sleep more, uh, eat more fish. And I thought eat more fish was interesting, but when you think about omega-3 fatty acids that are found in some, uh, in some cold water fatty fish have been linked to decreased risk of mental disorders. So more sleep, eat more fish, exercise, get outside, stand up straight, Stand up straight. Why? Well, your posture makes a difference. Feeling more enthusiastic and excited and strong. Okay. And smile. Smile. Put a smile on your face. You know, there's a whole song about that. I used to love that when I would listen to, and I'm going to age myself, the Jerry Lewis telephones. He would talk about smile when you're feeling happy. I know the words are wrong, but I love the I love that song. Um, one of the keys to going from grief to happiness is resilience, and so we talked about resilience before. You got to bounce back. You got to be that ball and inflate it. You know, there are ways to do it. It's best for you. Facing things that scare you release, relaxes the fear circuitry in your body. Be resilient. Study mindfulness. Be happy. Life's too short to do anything else. Love being with you today. 
And this is Carla. Hope to see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to From the Inside Out. Be sure to join your host, Carla D. Walker, for another episode of the program next Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have the best week. Uh